Good day. This is Shake the Tree's latest podcast that combines the subjects of girl power with the rife and unchecked deception within the UK court process. And here, following, is the evidence to support that very statement. A podcast by Shake the Tree that asks, do females behave any better than their male counterparts when they have power over another? The podcast will identify a suppressed male as Bob and one of the female suppressors as Zoe, others named, and genders are the actual participants and hold the positions as defined. On the author concluding, such isn't undue harassment, they may revert to Zoe's earth name. The author sees no benefit in divulging Bob's earth name, as the pod is about society's deception and its wider effect. Shake the Trees podcasts have been very effective to date. As suppressors prefer to keep their poor behavior secret. One purpose of this pod is to highlight court action required against two females and a solicitor's firm, also females. Shake the Tree finds the non-compliant feel harassed when a pod is published. The pod is about deception and how when minor actions are combined, they can be seen to have deceived a purist of over £70,000, along with thousands of hours of their life. All deemed acceptable by UK judges. The listener may feel no other than a purist could expect to be treated in any other way. But is that really the best we can expect in the 21st century? The podcast simultaneously asks why Brits accept and fund such a useless legal process that does no other than promote conflict for the benefit of the sector's professionals who financially gain and create more issues than they solve. The author defines useless as a process that prescribes gaining a £200,000 liability to process a £16,000 claim via the small claims court, thus a financially pointless process. The crux is, would you feel free to voice such matters and what action will the accused take? I suspect nothing other than whittle. As any investigation by the accused would do no other than confirm their corruption, deceit, incompetence, or the apathy by the named. But as all motions have led to deception of another via the named acts of perjury and fraud, only the foolhardy would try to counter the allegations. A bigger question is, are these matters linked? I.e., is the useless court process and the manipulation of the law linked to the exploitation of the individual? Bob says it is, and promotes, the behavior, as detailed in this podcast, of our Zoes, and alike, are being encouraged to run rampant, while drumming up support for girl power. The podcast expands on, how badly the named females, solicitors, judges, counsel and defendants behave, when a process allows them to do so. It could be promoted, the named are the exception, to the rule. Likewise it could be promoted, most Russians, are nice people. The podcast detail comes from two actual court cases where it is seen, as they would say, in a Hollywood blockbuster, Houston we have a problem. One claim, ongoing, is against a leading Northampton rental property agent, female, and an ex-female partner, who can be seen to be, in cohoots, to defraud another, male, via the retention of a circa £20,000 fund. In claim to, a house Percival solicitor, female, can be seen to have blatantly, defrauded, two males, a claimant and a defendant, being HP's client, to the tune of over £100,000, via a ridiculous, expert report, from the infamous, 
and deceptive, Diane Anstey, female, of Northampton. Whilst males, are named in the pod, the deception, and the benefit from the same, has been principally driven by females. Thus it is female behavior, in the justice process, that is being scrutinized. Ironically, this in a week, when potentially, the country's most powerful female says, Parliament really should debate, the male, Wolf Whistler. It's accepted, on donning, a boob tube and hot pants, a wolf may follow the wearer, and may indeed whistle, but should such really be a crime? Have you ever met a female, who doesn't like, attention from afar? Could Parliament, not instead debate why, councils and the police, knowingly, allow travellers, to shit, on our village playing fields, countrywide? Or why, many council houses, are being illegally sublet, by those, living elsewhere, and who can do no other, than sublet, on the black economy? Both issues, cost and affect society, more than a whistle, from likely, several stories, above street level, surely a bearer of children, is able to ignore, or wolf whistle. More to the point, Liz Truss MP, like the females in this pod, appears to have no concept, of the delivery process, the cost, or ramifications of what they promote. Let's put such into perspective, 10 million pounds, to get such onto the statute book, 20,000 pounds per prosecution, and prison cost of 4,000 pounds a month, for wolf whistle repeaters. That is how, the 2B, UK's, most powerful female, would like to spend, the public's, that's your, hard-earned, money. Not to mention a criminal record, would likely prevent a wolf whistler from working again, then who, is going to work, on our high-rises? Work that is required, to replace faulty cladding, on our high-rise tower blocks, allowed to be fitted, by the very same people, trying to extricate, the wolf whistler, from society's urban landscape. I will suggest, that dealing with courtside deception, being perjury and fraud by solicitors, council and county court judges, should rank over the extrication of the wolf whistler, which simply stems from, and is accepted as, solely the result of, the admiration for another. So how many millions, of taxpayers' pounds, would our leaders, led by Liz Truss, allocate to the extinction, of the male, wolf whistler? A tip for the listener, if Liz gets in, being likely, do buy shares, in the maker of the Acme Thunderer, whistle, the wolf, is off the hook. And Liz will have to then go after, the Uber, hailer, yes, such is, just that ridiculous. So let's assume, such is linked, and that Paris 6A, below, is a step solution. As on analyzing, the podcast, it's impossible, that the deception, perjury, and fraud by the named defendants, solicitors, counsel, judges, and officers of the court, could do other. Bob promotes, the only way to stop such suppression, is to vote a radical government into power, but certainly not Labour, as Sir Keir Starmer resided over the CPS, who sanctioned the arrest, of males in their 70s and 80s, in some cases taking them off a plane, then expecting them, to fund and defend, against state allegations, from, decades ago, utter madness. One of Bob's favorite films is the 1968 Witchfinder General, starring Vincent Price, with its awesome soundtrack, with compositions such as Richard Rides to Sarah and the End Credits by Paul Ferris, more poignant compositions you will not likely hear. But this century's treatment of senior males accused of historic allegations is only marginally more secure than that of the water dip and the swim test for females who were accused of witchcraft in the 17th century, also madness, and also sponsored, 
by the UK state. Both occurrences, in an environment where proof could not possibly exist, and the evidence the accuser had could only be another's opinion, who in current times will go on to receive thousands of pounds on an accused being convicted. Just as a bounty was paid to the witch finder, both would be considered bribery and corruption in any other walk of life. But that is what the lawmakers deemed to be lawful and acceptable. They won't mention those innocent or murdered following a false allegation. Or others with their lives in ruin, why would they? That would be awkward. But such is evidence that the UK legal process is in need of reform. When did you hear that from a judge or a politician? Consider an accused could so easily be your family or your friend. Solicitors and judges are using laws composed in 1927 to defraud the public. Do you still have your 1920s Model T Ford? Oh, you don't. Let's put the public's reliability into perspective. Over one half of the planet's adult population would swear there is life after death, showing they believe what suits, not what is known, let alone what can be proven beyond doubt. Thus statistically, the public may not say what is likely, let alone what is provable, and the following detail will show that regardless of a person's status, their agenda is very likely to influence what they promote. Yet the same will reside over another's future, without a true perspective on how the process works, the relevant rules, or knowing just how judges choose to ignore that, which should have been adhered to. The podcast also reviews how the legal process gains such convictions. This example is a slow burn, as it goes back to 2013, when Zoe, a substitute name of a female suppressor, from Broughton, Northamptonshire, thought a solution to her frustration would be to steal Bob's money, a substitute name of a suppressed male, and an ex-partner of Zoe, who knew the money did not wholly belong to her. Zoe took a fund of circa £4,000 from an account set up in 2004, and solely managed by Bob until 2013. The fund was associated with a joint property purchase made by Bob and Zoe in 2004. During that period, the account had received all inputs and funded all outputs. Thus it was self-auditing to the benefit of the joint owners. Fundamental to that promoted here, no deed of trust was created, which an estate agent, letting agent, solicitor, counsel and a judge will say, defines the property and any associated equity is jointly and equally owned. Well, that is what they will say, unless it suits their agenda to say otherwise, and Bob has good cause to make such inferences. Zoe may offer multiple explanations for her action in 2013, regardless her action resulted in a rental properties nationwide flex account being emptied and closed. The repercussion was chaos with mortgage and property management direct debits going unpaid until new arrangements could be put in place. An unforeseen effect of Zoe's behavior was that Solly Brown, the female managing director of Chelton Brown Limited, of George Row, Northampton, who had been managing the property, saw the conflict and money grab by Zoe as an opportunity to retain all the rental income, save the outputs. You may ask, could or would Solly Brown, of Chelton Brown Limited, a business regulated by Arla, really retain a client's money? Well, do read on to see what power Solly considered she had over a male and their money. And where that illusion has led her. Bob chooses his battles carefully. There will be those who think they would be off to a solicitor or the small claims court 
but such comes with associated costs and effort, and often the outcome is less than predictable. And there is an expectation from the courts that the parties have tried to resolve such prior to attending court, so all such was considered in 2013. Ironically, Zoe ended up paying the mortgage on the property until the taken fund had depleted to £5 in the summer of 2015. The consequence of such was the rent from the property Bob and Zoe jointly owned that Solly Brown had said she would retain had accumulated to quite a sum of several thousand pounds. Bob saw the situation as an opportunity to better manage the process and he asked Chelton Brown, could the fund be used for the benefit of the property owners? In 2015, Edwina Lane of Chelton Brown, on their own auditors advising, retaining such sums was contrary to money laundering law. Edwina put forward a proposal to distribute the fund to the property owners. But Zoe, irrespective of the money laundering law, was having none of that, although she was also suffering a loss via the fund's retention. Zoe and Solly Brown were to ignore that law indefinitely. Zoe's position was, regardless, the fund will not be distributed to its owners. Solly Brown's position was, Chelton Brown would retain the rent inputs, save the outputs, until the joint owners both advise otherwise, or their solicitors do the same. That would likely be a £2,000 process to gain one's own money. Such is typical of the madness promoted by these females after reward or redress. At no point did Solly Brown produce a document that gave her the legal right to retain the landlord's money. In fact, the landlord's contract with Chelton Brown prescribes how Chelton Brown was to distribute rent to the landlord. Nor did Solly Brown produce a document that Zoe had provided that provided gravitas to Zoe's influence over the whole fund. Bob's position was one half the fund is by default legally his and he had no intention of paying a solicitor to advise Solly Brown what she already knew. Be mindful, at no time had Zoe provided evidence to show she owned any other than a 50% stake. Bob sought the advice of a solicitor and he drafted a deed of trust, but Connor Wilson Mail, of the then Scott Fowler solicitors, advised, you can't force an unwilling property co-owner to sign a deed of trust, so Bob was on his way. At this point, girl power had flexed their muscles and in doing so, Zoe and Solly Brown had shown a total disregard for the law. As the law dictates, all have every legal and moral right to gain access to their own money, save docs to say otherwise. UK law does not require one to ask for what is theirs or what others know is theirs. It is effectively theft until it is returned to its rightful owner. During this process and over several years, Bob sent several letters to Solly Brown of Chelton Brown, advising they had no right to retain his money or take instruction from an ex-partner as to when he can gain the same. On each occasion, Bob either gained no reply or gained a phone call to say that Zoe would not sanction the distribution of the fund. Bob's stance was, it's my money, why are you asking my ex-partner if I can have my money? Clearly this was cohesive control of another and bullying of the same, and both Zoe and Solly Brown knew their stance would not be credible when put before a judge. As the legal status of the fund, as they knew, was it was jointly and equally owned. Evidently, these females needed a prod, as logic and financial prowess had gained no ground, regardless of several years having passed. 
And of course, there's no law against being bloody-minded or stupid. However, the girls jointly accepted that such would render them liable for court costs and associated costs and losses for retaining another's money. Along with a post-hearing risk of gaining a perjury and fraud charge, such would also likely attract a criminal record and a prison sentence. In Solly Brown and Zoe, taking such risks, they can be seen to be a drift of reality. So by the time this dispute got to court, Solly Brown had changed her stance to Bob had not produced a document to show what percentage of the property he owned. And Zoe had simply said she had no knowledge of Bob's desire to gain his money. But Zoe's stance does not change the fact that on her instruction, Chelton Brown Limited, under the direction of their managing director, Solly Brown, had retained Bob's money from 2013 to December 2019. Or alternatively, Solly and Zoe were in cohoots to do the same, but without any legal justification for doing so. Of course, one could no more believe what Zoe and Solly had said than believe there was a McDonald's franchise on Mars. You must, at this point be assured, that is just the sort of crap that county court judges on pound 250k asterisk per annum will accept when it suits them to do so. In fact, on Bob's first attendance at court in this claim, his honour, Judge Glassbrook, used the old trick, Mr. Bob, you may not be, Bob. Albeit, the defendants, to include Solly Brown, who was in court, had known Bob, for two decades, does such not show, the shambles, that is the UK justice process. Clearly judges say, whatever suits to deflect, what the ruling should be, when it suits them to do so. As Solly Brown of Chelton Brown Limited was at that time retaining a fund of circa £20,000 and she had no evidence to show the court that she had any right to do so. I will state the unsavoury, his honour Judge Glassbrook did not believe Bob was not Bob, thus that act and ruling was court-side deception by a county court judge paid £250,000 per annum to resolve such disputes. Attending a UK court to resolve a civil dispute may do no more than line the pockets of those employed in the process and such is down to the judges. Anyhow, the indiscretion by his honour Judge Glassbrook is not the reason for composing this podcast, nor is it that a proper officer of the court retrospectively produced and then served and then applied a court order allowing the claim to be struck out. Although the proper officer of the court took no account, the claim had already passed that timeline which they referred to. So without the use of a time machine, how proper was the action of the proper officer of the court? So this claim saw Solly Brown of Chelton Brown retain a fund that rose to circa £20,000, which was evidently 50% owned by Bob, as Solly Brown accepted that the land registry deemed just that, and there was no evidence to show otherwise. So, Solly Brown, the MD of Chelton Brown and Zoe, Bob's ex, considered it acceptable to retain a jointly owned fund of circa £20,000 in a non-interest bearing account while they procrastinated for six years on the matter. They also deemed it acceptable for one who owned 50% of the fund to have no say in the fund's distribution without a court order to the contrary. So we have Solly Brown, the MD of Chelton Brown Limited, one of the biggest property rental firms in the county, and we have Zoe, well actually, Sue Rust, who is the MD of Custard Creative Limited, an established corporate design company, which has had ties to public limited companies.
these two girl power lasses would promote themselves as fair, logical, commercially astute, honest, and trustworthy people. But does their behavior show they have any of those qualities? Additionally, both Sue and Solly are active members of the local business community. But there we really must stop and reflect on the direction Sue Rust and Solly Brown were going. They both had intent, in fact could do no other than commit perjury in court, or at the final moment, withdraw their witness statements. Bob saved Sue Rust and Solly Brown from embarrassment and a potential criminal charge of perjury and fraud by asking the court to stay the claim to provide the defendants time to distribute the fund. In return, the claimant has been left with an unpaid, circa £2,000 loss and £1,000 of court fees. Directly from averting the risks Sue Rust's and Solly Brown's deception had imposed on themselves. It would be reasonable to be thinking, girl power wins the day, and the claimant must be exhausted from the bout. And maybe girl power thinks that was a close call. In not risking, court-side perjury and fraud, but Bob is not so sure, as Bob is once again. In a position where Sue Rust has again taken charge of Bob's property-related money, as in 2021, Sue instructed Good Child Visit and Smart to retain £5,398.49 of Bob's money. Although it being the same fund, it has been accepted, was legally 50% owned by Bob and Zoe. Such is commonly known as taking the piss. And the likes of his honor, Judge Glassbrook, must take sole responsibility for the rampant and repetitive behavior of Sue Rust. As when the claim was in front of his honor, instead of adhering to what the law defined, his honor chose to play happy families. Now again, we have more girl power advocates within a solicitor's firm, being Sarah Peddle and Michelle Denton of Good Child Visit and Smart of Northampton, that also deem it their right to tell Bob how he should spend his money. Being to engage a solicitor, one of their own profession, to negotiate the return of his own money. Bob says, no, 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 just as Mrs. T would have. Bob will not give his money to a solicitor to gain access to his own money when the small claims court is a more effective dispute route. And the fees are payable by the conflictor. That's the world we live with group, corporate and institutionalized bullying and deception, not only allowed, but promoted by those who compose and gain from the process. And why I say, forget, Sir Keir Starmer, as he would just implement more of the same crap for the benefit of his bodies. So, there is proof, Sue and Solly either conspired to, or independently intended to, defraud Bob, as one can only be at a loss, when another retains one's money. There is also irrefutable proof, that Sue Rust and Solly Brown were lying, and would have committed perjury, on going to court, as their evidence promoted, conflicting versions, of the same event. They have also shown themselves, to be ungrateful, regardless of the consideration and the risk of cost burden, afforded by others. A letter from Sue Rust's solicitor, a Nick Phillips of Tola's solicitors, accepts Sue and Bob are equal 50% equity holders, yet the letter also says, Sue Rust won't pay, her dues, without a court order, for her to do so. So let's be clear, Sue Rust and Solly Brown have jointly retained another's money for six years. They capitulated, and released the money, a few days before the court hearing. They have now refused to pay the costs and the losses, they imposed on another, who had to fight for six years, to gain access to his own money. 
and these females are promoted as the best girl power has to offer, so does the listener think we need more or less girl power or better laws and judges or a mix of both. Yet, regardless of those facts and Bob's costs inflicted by Sue Rust and Solly Brown and that disclosed on the 10th of December 2019, Sue Rust's current instruction to good child visit and smart is to retain Bob's equity until she, Sue Rust, decides otherwise. Bob is thinking it's Groundhog Day. Albeit, a lovely film, where this event, just shows the worst, of people-on-people behavior, who are then protected, and encouraged by the deluded, highly paid servants of the state, also known as judges. Bob thinks, given a chance, Sue may cite a concern, when Bob managed the account, a sum of £280, was paid to Bob's sister, for her, 14 months, of supervision of Chelton Brown's, property management, when Bob couldn't do, the same. A sum that reflected other payments for the same work. Of course, £140 was Bob's money, and as overall property manager, to commit to such a spend was in Bob's remit. As Bob provided multiple services, such as the free of charge, replacement of the basin taps. So a refresh of the logic and financial prowess of Sue Rust. She deems it reasonable to retain £30,000 at a zero interest status but expects, compo on a minor loss from £140, being a fraction, of the loss she imposed on another. She simultaneously demands, another gains a court order, for the same. Do we really need, more Zoe's, in Parliament, hasn't the UK, got enough problems? Or is the issue, the Zoe's, and Solly's, answers on a postcard? It would be reasonable to say, the mentioned, with the exclusion of Bob, are either frightened of, or have been manipulated by, Zoe, being a Sue Rust, of Broughton, a village close to Kettering, in Northamptonshire, as it is seen, she has a desire to impose, as much discourse and loss on Bob as possible. And Solly Brown, Sarah Peddle and Michelle Denton, would not likely do so, without direction from Sue Rust. Or are they, as aloof, from reality as Sue Rust is, and prepared to lie, and deceive on a whim, as did her solicitor, who no more believed, Sue Rust is honest, than he believed, Bob didn't want his money, but that is what, Nick Philip wrote. Regardless of the logic, or how ridiculous, judges have little option, than believe, a solicitor, male or female. As a solicitor's status, seen by the court is, they can be trusted to the end of the earth. Which gives a solicitor a license, to fabricate with impunity, as they frequently do, with the effect, judges then promote the same, there are many examples in this podcast of just such behavior. Another irony, the defendant solicitor is often tasked with composing the court orders, which in the Bob versus Franklin's claim led to courtside deception, being perjury and fraud, as the judges issue the orders, regardless of an order's legitimacy. Which in this was likely composed by a female, Hope Wilson, of House Percival LLP's Leicester office. Or another of HP staff who doesn't know the difference between a hypothetical and a quantified sum, or Hope Wilson, thought, as we are looking for a nonsense total, let's start off with unquantified nonsense, subsums. One would think a judge on £250,000 a year may identify pre-trial that multiple nonsense subsums can only equal a nonsense total, but it can be seen in the Bob versus Franklin Silences Limited claim. Six county court judges who wouldn't survive a probation period for a position on a Travis Perkins trade counter. 
resided on a complex dispute that included dilapidations and diminution, which they couldn't comprehend. Whilst that is a mind-blowing assessment of the judge's ability, the alternative to their ignorance is the six judges committed blatant perjury and fraud for no other than for the benefit of House Percival LLP. A judge told Bob that House Percival are a respectable firm, so one asks, how does a judge allow a non-respectable solicitor to behave courtside? Maybe dictate the ruling, well that is very close to just what they do. Judges are little more than a pivot between the claimant and defendant. The court was warned pre-trial, this is a Hillsborough moment. But the county court judges chose to simply ignore the deception and the law. This podcast illustrates how multiple judges exceeded Bob's latitude. Which either Hope Wilson of House Percival didn't understand or committed blatant perjury and fraud, as did HP's counsel, Evie Bardun, as did six county court judges, if they wished to sue, my name is Bob, and I'm shaking the tree. As with Solly Brown and Sue Rust, if one relies on deceit, as did Hope Wilson, counsel and as did six judges, they should weigh up, is Bob likely to do a tummy roll on the site of green pasture? So back to the deceit by six county court judges. Was it realistic in 2021 to promote one could engage a plumber for £15? Six county court judges said you could. Of course, an impossibility. That's a blatant act of perjury and fraud by six county court judges. Or could a definitive property repair total sum be attained by a discussion by two surveyors who aren't experts in any trade with individual sums that, one, are hypothetical, two, exclude materials, and three, exclude working at height equipment and the compliance of the same. Six county court judges said, yes, it could. But as such is a mathematical impossibility, such can only be acts of perjury and fraud by county court judges. Evidently, a continuation of a defense based on such would be lawless and pointless. Surely a judge would identify the same. But regardless of that fact, a judge issued a court order demanding Bob arrange and fund a £2,000 debate based on such hypothetical sums being a blatant act of fraud by the order's composer, the issuing judge, and the following judges who upheld the same as deception leads to fraud. As a realistic definitive total sum could only be agreed on having the definitive individual sums, so such was courtside perjury and fraud by six county court judges as all knew the individual sums were hypothetical. So, solicitor's deception is an ocean drop to the UK's courtside deception. As the listener would expect, Bob can provide all the judges' names and their detailed involvement on request. How often do we hear? Judges say ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. Bob could detail 54 other individual absurdities in the Bob versus Franklin silencers claim, all ignored by six county court judges, simply so they could discreetly defraud the claimant. Via the initial deception of John Bateman of Franklin Silences Limited of Northampton, the defendant and his expert surveyor, the infamous Diane Anstey of Anstey Associates, well known for her compositions of utter bollocks. Very likely engaged via House Percival LLP for her willingness to manipulate facts, costs and reality, 
and promote the same to the court, via HP's counsel, Evie Bardun, who can, of course provide, the listener with a £15 per hour plumber, if you ask her nicely. Or she may say, sorry I can't assist in that, as I promoted such, purely for the purpose of, defrauding a claimant. And the above is in consideration of, 1, an act of perjury, is to deceive the court, and 2, an act of fraud, is no more than, to impose a loss, on another via deception, let the author repeat that. An act of perjury, is to deceive the court, an act of fraud, is to impose a loss, on another, via such deception. Both attract a prison sentence. Can it be seen, that any of the named had concern, that a judge will pick up, on the obvious and blatant, perjury and fraud, it appears not. Now maybe a lemming, or a, non-attendee of Oxbridge, could be convinced the claimant, would sustain no loss. But for those who have attended Oxbridge or similar, the defences, and the trial judge's behaviour, was evidently and without doubt, blatant perjury and fraud. And the defendants, John Bateman's deception, could only have been further entrenched, by the further deception, of the defence team. And the judges did such, so Hope Wilson, female, of House Percival LLP, could minimise their clients' fees, of Franklin Silences Limited, of Northampton. As their fees were seven times greater, than the settlement offered at the outset. His Honour Judge Murdoch, said there was no fraud involved. While the defendant had fees to pay House Percival, of seven times, the sum sought by the claimant, and the claimant had an offer of 8%, of the actual sum, but was awarded zero, by the judge, towards the cost of the lease's obligations. His Honour Judge Murdoch's sole achievement was, to facilitate House Percival LLP, being able to bill their client, the defendant, a John Bateman of Franklin Silences Limited, £85,000. The listener should realise, the sole, and main focus, of UK's county court judges, is to enrich solicitors' firms. The judge could have, in this claim, saved the party's £85,000, just by adhering to the government's PAP CD rules and common law. The deception is simply mind-boggling, and kept under wraps, as they all are making so much money. I.e., the parties collected a bill for £85,000, a sum paid to house Percival, and none of the tenants' lease breaches will be corrected, unless done at the landlord's expense. So if your rental property is shit, it's most likely a UK judge's fault. As judges have fleeced the landlord and the previous tenant. County court judges, on £250,000 per annum, can't grasp, or adhere to, that required of the Fraud Act of 2006. Further, House Percival and judges used the 1927 Diminution Act as a pick-and-mix opportunity. The Act is the closest proximity to bollocks as one can get without crossing a field in Herefordshire. But if the Act is to be used, processes are required. Hope Wilson of House Percival and their counsel Evie Bardun and six county court judges ignored all of the associated essential levers required for the deployment of a lawful diminution process. If Diane Anstey, the defendant's expert, says, one can engage a plumber for £15, when check a trader, the world and their dog knows, it will be £60 plus. On a judge discounting reality, they are complicit in perjury and fraud. The clue was, the, claimant's expert sum, provided by the respectable Harry Rowe, male, of CS2 chartered surveyors, was ten times greater. Awkwardly for, his honour Judge Murdoch, Bob could retain a role, on a TP trade counter, and has composed over 20,000 quotes, for PLCs, to include, Travis Perking PLC.
And as Bob has further managed the most effective production plant on the planet, he is also able to recognize the unrealistic and the fraudulent use of an expert's unquantified and unsupported sums. Anna's diminution can only be calculated based on actual sums. And Diane Arnstey's terms of engagement define her sums as hypothetical. On his honor Judge Murdoch, promoting the same sums are other than hypothetical, which he needed to do to accept those sums, the judge has solely and independently committed an act of fraud. What is of the greatest concern, such as not the author's opinion, if the listener taps the following into their browser, reaction protocol for claims for damages in relation to the physical state of commercial property at termination of a tenancy. The author has included a link on this document, but isn't able to verbalize it. You will grasp the arrogance of House Percival, counsel and the county court judges who evidently believe such government rules are not for them. Albeit, had the claimant not followed the PAP CD rules, the claimant would have been shafted and slated by the same judge for not doing so. So in the Franklin's claim, and on the issue of the repair sums providence, his honor Judge Murdoch blatantly committed court-side deception to defraud the claimant of circa £70,000. In addition to six county court judges ignoring all the government's PAP CD rules, which dictate what process and timelines Franklin Silences Limited and House Percival LLP should have followed, which they ignored. Judges also promoted they didn't understand the difference between hypothetical and quantified sums, which whilst amusing, it also has the same effect as the judges bringing perjury and fraud courtside. Judges do similar frequently. Yes, this content could be for a comedy sketch, but sadly for the UK's population, the content reflects the poor state of the UK's court process. This is the world the named have created, with those on £250,000 per annum, responsible for society's oversight, who couldn't run a TP trade counter. Of course that is not expected of county court judges, but abiding by the government's PAP CD rules that dictate both parties' dilapidation process to a commercial property is expected of a judge. And accepting an accumulation of hypothetical sums cannot reflect a definitive property repair sum is also expected of a judge. So this podcast shows dull power can be effective in collectively deceiving the court and UK judges. The podcast also illustrates such as really not so difficult. In street talk, the tail is wagging the dog and that was conveyed to the court pretrial. In the Bob versus Sue Ruston Chelton Brown claim, when they deprived a male, Bob, an SR's ex-partner, of what they knew was his, and they additionally wished to avoid Bob's court fees and losses, as of course one would. It is also seen, regardless of the female's relationship, or their status in society, whether they be an ex-partner, or a recipient of wealth in abundance, as a result of a partnership, or they just be, contracted to provide a rental property service. It is seen, these girls, with power, have no regard for their moral or legal obligations towards any. In the case of Nick Phillips of Tolers, his honor Judge Glassbrook and the proper officer of the court, they had zero interest in any other than a box-ticking exercise and their own remuneration, and that would likely be different if the case was male-on-male and the judges had not known, Solly Brown, being the managing director of Chelton Brown Limited, who had retained Bob's money for six years. 
Sadly the separate and the combined efforts of the forenamed judge, do no other than duplicate and magnify the appalling behavior of these females, Solly Brown and Sue Rust. No judge should condone such behavior, and the judge's action, only push the issue down the road, as in this case a principal sum, the court fees, and the claimant's compensation for loss, are still owed, by Solly Brown and Sue Rust. Is it any wonder, that UK courts, are backed up with parts, of Hereford Bullocks? But what, is also evident, girl power, will do nothing to improve fairness in society, nor will it reduce the court's backlog, of claims and cases. What's needed is a barbecue, or for judges, to step up to the plate, and meet the public's, reasonable expectations. Being as simple as, on another retaining another's money, without the legal right to do so, the judge rules accordingly, how difficult can that be, for one, from an Oxbridge clan. But they must only promote the lawful, and not, concern with pacifying, those known to them. As such can only promote, unlawful actions, within society. So are judges corrupt, and deceitful, and in the pockets of the associated, and would, Solly Brown and Sue Rust, say whatever suits, regardless of the truth. The evidence says, such is so, as when a judge inferred, Bob may not be Bob, simply for the benefit of Solly Brown, they had no evidence, let alone proof, that Bob, was not Bob. Such was in fact deception, courtside, by a county court judge, and the sole reason Bob may have to go back to the court, yep, is to gain retained money, on this occasion, it is another firm of female solicitors, good child wizard and smart, of Northampton, on the instruction of a female, Bob suspects, you'll be able, to guess, which female. Every point, made in this podcast, without exception, can be supported. But the only way the public can change this outrageous behavior, which does no other than line the pockets of the sector's professionals, is to have a higher, expectation, of each other, and from those, who oversee our society, and we should start with our judges. This podcast, gives fair warning to the named, the world's watching, well, listening to, their commitment to girl power. Bob doubts many listeners will be impressed with the girl's stance, or will feel, the named female professionals, are playing a positive, role in society, even if deemed legal by a judge, whatever that means. After Bob had advised a judge that the defendant, a John Bateman of Franklin Silences Limited, of Northampton, and Ms. Hope Wilson, of House Percival LLP Leicester, Council Evie Bardun, and two other judges, had ignored each and every of the one dozen relevant government's PAP CD rules. The judge said, the best of luck proving that, and went on to say, so you don't like our laws. Bob promotes, they are society's laws, a judge's role, is to uphold them, not to ignore them, or manipulate them, even when the law, and the government's rules are a poor fit, with a judge's agenda. Ultimately such action, and the lack of law adherence, will be the downfall of society. Shake the Tree, provides many examples, to justify that stance to include, six county court judges, recently ignoring, all of the government's PAP CD rules, and the defendant's perjury and fraud, simply to allow, House Percival to defraud, a claimant, and a defendant, to the tune of £100,000. And if you don't think that promoted, will have a negative effect on society. Think again, as such a ruling deems, that a commercial property lease, and a residential ASTA, are not worth the paper they are written on. Six county court judges, have instead deemed, you must engage, and pay a firm of solicitors, circa £50,000, to gain any chance of having an ASTA, or lease document, enforced, that is what the ruling says. 
and that money is gone, regardless of the following ruling, such as commonly known as daylight robbery, and that process is being maintained by those who compose and govern the UK's law. The law requires a lease and STA are in place, ideally having been produced and delivered by a solicitor. Smiley face, with a grin, inserted. Going forward, unenforceable laws are useless, and judges' willingness to ignore landlords' claims for damages to include money retained by agents has led to the average residential rent in London being £2,000 a month. With landlords asking up to £100,000 in advanced rent because the law and the judges provide no other than an expensive experience of how useless the courts are in providing protection against a landlord's loss. Let me say that again, London landlords are asking up to £100,000 in upfront rent because the courts and the judges are next to useless. The podcast shows the UK government provides adequate protocol and guidance, being the PAP CD rules for a dilapidation process. The podcast also shows judges simply ignore such to suit their agenda. It's the cause and effect. Being another reality that judges on £250,000 per annum don't grasp. They think landlords, often self-made, will stand by while judges distribute their years of toil to a non-compliant tenant. It is fundamental, if society is to function, civil agreements and fairness must be upheld, regardless of a person's gender or status. This podcast shows, despite Bob's efforts, county court judges are seen to ignore fairness, logic and multiple UK laws, to include perjury and fraud, the European Working at Height Directive, the Minimum Wage Act and the PAP-CD rules. Not to mention, a commercial agreement and a lease all of which the UK government promotes to reduce the unknown. But what can be seen is our judges simple ignore whatever isn't a good fit with their agenda. The first question Bob now asks of a defendant is can they read? The second question Bob asks of a defendant is can they see? This podcast assumes if they're illiterate and blind, they can likely listen. Ironically, the questions are aimed at the judge as much as at the defense. As regardless of the volume of written and visual evidence, the defendant, their advocate, their counsel and judges are most likely to ignore it all. The public without court experience will not understand the significance of the questions, and I guess neither will the judges. And if solicitors and counsel understand, they really won't care, as they are paid by the hour, not by their results. In brief, the effect of such arrogance by the judges can do no other than triple the cost of the court process. Do ask yourself who is going to benefit from that. Let me make a poignant point to the attentive listener. It is also an issue that hurt Bob's blood boiling. Such an event would bankrupt many and is the main reason for the existence of shake the tree. As this episode shows, the legal process is not only useless, it is pointless to all other than those taking payment for their service. Had Bob followed the prescribed and the professional's preferred protocol to include engaging a team of property renovators and a contract manager, such being prescribed by the UK legal and court process, the Bob versus Franklin Silences Limited dispute would have gained a liability of circa £200,000. That is £30,000 more than the property's value. It is 12 times the claim. 
and it is, 17 times the sum, the claimant, would have settled for, prior to logging the claim, with the small claims court. Now why Bob, insists the process and the judges, only aim, is to defraud the public, is whilst the judges see £200,000, going to professionals, as reasonable. Bob recalls, despite 20 of the 55 repairs, to the property, being priced by the claimant's expert, at £20 or less, the judge deemed those sums, as too high. And, his honour Judge Murdoch, went on, to prefer the lower, hypothetical sums, promoted by, the tenant's expert, Diane Arnstey, who was, so to speak, in the pocket of, House Percival LLP. Diane Arnstey's sums, excluded materials, and other cost elements. Such was made very clear to the defence, and the judge. With his honour being, both intelligent and cultured, his honour, was able to both, smile, and simultaneously ignore, the obvious reality of fact. Bob says, there was nobody, at trial, that thought, for one moment, any trader, would work for the sums promoted by, Diane Anstey. Regardless, his honoured Judge Murdoch, ploughed on, simply so they could line the pockets, of House Percival LLP. Thus the judge gained their desired ruling, simply by ignoring all the evidence, that conflicted with their desire. The joke is, yes the joke. Even Diane Anstey, could not engage traders, for the sums, that she had promoted, as all six judges, well knew, to be a fact. I will repeat, the only way, House Percival, and the judges could get this claim to trial, was to ignore, yes blatantly ignore, the government's, pre-action protocol, for claims and damages, for a commercial property. On considering the settlement offer, at the outset was £12,000. One would be a tool, to suggest such as any other, than corruption, deception and fraud. But that is what House Percival, their counsel Evie Bardun, and six, county court judges, prescribe. Such deems that the process is useless, and the judges are corrupt, as whilst such might be appropriate on a 200,000 square foot shed, on Swan Valley, after a 20-year occupation. But the same protocol is disproportionately, weighed by professional fees, if applied to a startup unit, on a two-year term. But the UK judges, use such anomalies, to defraud the public, and pass the spoils, to their buddies, such as House Percival. If you're thinking, well that is the law, listen again, because it is certainly not, the law. Hype Wilson of House Percival LLP, only got the Bob vs. Franklin Silences Limited, defense to court, by ignoring the law, in cohoots, with six county court judges, who ignored, all of the, government's PAP CD rules. County court judges, served and upheld, illegal court orders, that required a landlord to carry out tasks, that the government's PAP CD rules, defined was solely, the responsibility of a tenant. Six judges deemed it their right, to do so, if they desired. Such can be no other, than blatant fraud, by six county court judges, who were taking House Percival's lead, to manipulate the law, for their own purpose. The effect of such is, money that the landlord, or the tenant, could retain or invest. And money, that should be spent, to renovate a property between tenancies, is being grabbed by the solicitors and other professionals, and spent on, such as, the private education of their children, who then complete a similar cycle, and go on to grab money, from the next generation of working class people. The author asks, how does such behavior, play out, in the UK's government's, leveling up plan? Now, that may not be an act of fraud, but for the solicitors, counsel and judges to achieve the same, by ignoring, the pre-action protocol, 
for claims and damages for a commercial property, being the government's PAP CD rules, is a blatant act of fraud. And that is what Hype Wilson of House Percival LLP, Leicester, their counsel Evie Bardun, and six county court judges did, with the assistance of the deceitful Diane Anstey of Anstey Associates of Northampton, who promoted one can engage a plumber for £15. Liar or tool, you decide. But regardless, that is a sum, his honour Judge Murdoch, accepted. Yes he did. There is no doubt as to the accuracy, of the facts, in this document, any person feeling, miffed, with having the same publicised, should seek legal advice at £300 per hour. But published, on Spotify, this content will be. All the named, to include the judges, had ample warning, this would be the effect of their behaviour. It will now be for the public, without a financial interest or agenda, to take a view, on the issues. In the meantime, good child, wizard and smart solicitors, should consider, how to justify to a judge, where they retain another's money, when the law dictates, the equity gained from the sale of a jointly owned property, is equally owned. And they will be expected to pay, the court fees and claimants damages, in compensation, for what can only be seen as cohesive control of another, and their money. And the same being outside, the acceptable behavior of a solicitor, in addition to it also being unlawful. Sue Rust of Broughton, Northamptonshire, and Solly Brown of Chelton Brown Limited of George Row, Northampton, would do well to consider, is it reasonable to retain another's money for six years, then burden them, with the cost of regaining the same, and the loss during the deprivation period. Sue and Solly's position is, as joint defendants, they jointly capitulated, just days prior to a court hearing. Such can only be seen as acceptance of, guilty as claimed, of the unlawful retention of another's money, and a court side, discussion on their reason for doing so, can do no other than show their deception, in the process. And as on capitulation, there was no counterclaim, or repayment timeline, so it can be accepted, without court action, the money could have been retained indefinitely, Sue and Solly, may promote that's not, theft or fraud. Maybe, they will be able to jointly advise, the court, what purpose it served, and why another should, pick up the tab for their misguided behavior. Sue and Solly, have the commercial acumen, to calculate both the cost, and time, they burdened another, and unless they jointly reimburse the same with that loss, or make arrangement to do so, they will jointly, be back in court. The public do bear some responsibility, for not holding the legal professionals to account, and not seeing, the legal profession, as other than, a vehicle, to take money from those with some, and give it to those, with loads. An example. Paracy, two back, is a good example. Sue and Solly will ignore, the burden they have knowingly placed on another, seeing the court as a safety bunker. John Bateman, of Franklin Silences Limited, of Northampton, similarly sought shelter in a bunker, from their lease obligation in 2019. John Bateman, was advised, in 2019, of the likely cost of such a shelter, and if he paid the £12,000 owed, one-seventh of a bunker cost, he would not need shelter. By 2021, Franklin Silences Limited had paid House Percival circa £85,000. John Bateman, being old school, wouldn't accept, he didn't have right, to lie and defraud another, and by John ignoring the advice of the claimant, he cost Franklin Silences Limited £50,000 in 2021, an example of old-school stupidity. One asks, how Hope Wilson, of House Percival LLP, legally, or morally convinced, John Bateman, 
of Franklin silences, to spend £85,000, to attempt, to deflect, a £16,000 lease liability, when the claimant had offered, to accept £12,000 to settle, when regardless of the result. Franklin's legal fees would be, circa 60% of that build, being circa £50,000. Being a minimum of, four times the settlement sum, so is, JB an, idiot, a tool, bloody-minded, or, on the payroll of House Percival. You decide. The claimant, had advised John Bateman, of that very likelihood, mid-2019. So would you trust, the promoted as respectable, Hope Wilson, female, or any other solicitor at House Percival, who, coerced John Bateman, of Franklin Silences Limited, of Northampton, to simply, ignore the reality of his lease liability, and the inevitability, of the cost, of his fraud-based defense. It's easy to view Bob, as arrogant, as his demeanor, can come across as he is thinking, the disputing professionals, to include those adjacent, are less than cohesive. Would the listener, have any idea, why Bob, comes to such, a conclusion? So shake the tree, is it personal, absolutely not, is it just, rental agents, exes, tenants, surveyors, solicitors, experts, counsel and judges, absolutely not. Conflict is born from deceit, if there was no deceit, the courts would be close to empty. The fact that they are not, supports just what Shake the Tree is promoting, in this podcast. This podcast, does not evidence, it actually, provides proof, with no doubt, that county court judges, are blatantly supporting, solicitors and other court experts, to deceive, and to manipulate, the very law, the judges are paid very well, to uphold. The author, will put such into perspective. That is a higher standard of proof, than the evidence, a judge will guide a jury, to rely on, being no other, than the opinion, or stance of another, normally a female, before, a judge casts a prison sentence, on another, normally a male. Yet, all the named in this podcast, mainly females, can be seen, to promote, whatever solely provides, them with a financial reward. Or their self-gratification, or what, they see as the better alternative, to the contemplation, of what is morally and legally right, and following through on the same. And within circa 90,000 words of evidence, there is proof that the named and accused, have committed perjury and fraud, and such commonality is down to the UK judges, blatant disregard, for society's civility, and the law. Thus Bob, has now had to accept, the courts, and the judges, are no longer part of the solution, they have become, part of the problem. What does the listener think? Do note, evidence is the stuff that, his honour Judge Murdoch, Counsel Evie Bardun and Hope Wilson, of House Percival, relied on to defraud Bob. Such as, hypothetical repair sums, and promoting what, a landlord in the NN1 area of Northampton, could expect of a tenant, which was, of course, no other than an opinion, not being, fact-based or provable. Proof, are facts, such as, the PAP CD rules gave, Hope Wilson of House Percival LLP, 56 days to reply to, a dilapidation report, Hope Wilson, took 453 days. Being just one, of the claimant's facts, his honor Judge Murdoch, couldn't get their head around. Albeit, the claimant did the sums, for his honor Judge Murdoch, confirming the defense, had exceeded the limit by 397 days. Being one of 10, PAP CD rules, his honor Judge Murdoch, had overlooked the defense, had blatantly ignored, along with multiple, other UK laws. However his honor Judge Murdoch, preferred and could understand, a submission by, 
House Percival's counsel Evie Bardon. That the terms of the fully repairing and insuring lease regarding the cleaning and decoration of the internal and the external property surfaces at term end. Where Evie Bardon, HP's counsel, promoted that the outside surfaces of the property were in fact not the property's outside surfaces, which of course was 